Welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz. Uh, Adam, I was thinking, you know, when we have our, when we get back to in-person, I'll have to bring the uh, Justin Bieber Timbits, <laughs> which I just heard about, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting placement thingy. I wonder what he's getting paid. They're going to pay him um, in Timbits or Tim Biebs or whatever they're called. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? That irked me because it's like Tim Biebs. <laughs> Tim Biebs. It's like that doesn't even phonetically make sense. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it, you could call you could call them Justin Times or uh, I don't Ooh. know. Uh, they should have talked to you. <laughs> it was like Buble in the water. That makes sense. That the, the Justin and the Timbits. I don't know. That is really great advertising those Buble ads yeah. for Bubbly. Um, but we need to start uh, a marketing show. We can just. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> can you imagine? Well, anyway, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the programming staff and say we want to start a marketing show on Community Radio. Let's see how that goes over. Uh, Laughter, probably. Yeah. Open yeah. <laughs> Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. As we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world, and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be the Ward 5 City Councillor Kathy Downer, who is going to talk to us about, of all things, the 2022-2023 Guelph budget. What does she think uh, the challenges are in that budget, and what does she hope to get out of this first multi-year process? That is going to be in the bottom half of the show. Before that, we're going to talk about the latest news items from this week, including wokeness. It is really destroying our discourse, or is that just another way for some people to say that they're worried about losing status? But first, we are going to give an early Christmas present to Scotty Hertz and dedicate a portion <laughs> of the show to labor. Um, you know, just you like might like old times. That's like <laughs> that's which is. <laughs> Which is another show on yeah. CFRU. Um, yeah, so it, you might have heard of this thing, uh, Striketober, the Great Resignation. It's um, kind of hitting all over the place in the United States. Uh, there's a strike at Kellogg. There's a strike at uh, Car Plant in, so, somewhere in the Rust Belt. Uh, the IATSE union in Hollywood was planning on going on strike until they reached a new deal. It just seems like everybody's going on strike. It's happening here in Canada, too, um, because in our own area, the local southwestern Ontario offices of the CAA are currently on strike. If you go past the CAA office on Paisley and see people or have seen people picketing, um, they are on strike. And uh, at the same time, out in New Brunswick, you have... uh, Hospital support, healthcare support workers, so janitors and laundry people and things like that, who are currently on strike. That streak, is, that strike is over two months, uh, two weeks old now. And there's another strike that might be coming to New Brunswick. Uh, liquor store workers they voted to strike the other day, ninety-seven point seven percent. So that could be coming next week in New Brunswick. So this is like scotty utopia right now the workers are (laughs) the workers are throwing off the shackles and the yokes of the oppressor in the corner office and um taken to the streets yeah mine would be everybody out of course i think people know that but (laughs) the general strike but yeah there's definitely a winter of discontent shaping up Uh, i didn't actually know that the caa people were uh were teamsters or even unionized Mm mm-hmm 
but there, I mean, their case is a good example of what's going on. The you kind of mentioned about the um, <clears throat> people just kind of not giving up, but not willing to put up with certain things, uh, including wages and what they work for. I guess we're going to get a bit into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, this CAA in themselves aren't asking for too much. They only make like sixteen thirty nine an hour. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if <clears throat> they're living this high life or whatever, and maybe 1% or 2% raises or one and a half, I think it was something to that effect. Uh, and the CAA are doubling down saying, well, you know, travel and retail are showing no signs of recovery, but don't tell that to like the news or the border opening or, or anything like that, or the plethora of Christmas ads, speaking of marketing that are now hitting <laughs> us. Um, so yeah, the, the, the recovery is there, even though we're teetering a little bit on the, um, the COVID side of things with other, I guess that's a completely other topic today. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the, this, the sort of stresses on the, on the workers are, are showing, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm, I'm actually surprised that it, it took this long, but I mean, people that are under collective agreements, they do expire at certain times. And this, and you mentioned a lot across the board. Uh, I also saw a story about the, um, there's quite the movement in Buffalo right now of, of uh, Starbucks workers trying to unionize the Starbucks there, mm-hmm. which is another business, I guess, that has gotten hit by COVID and everything. I, I'm sure the next time we get down to Toronto, which is going to be a while, probably <laughs> there'll be far less than the one in every corner that there was the last time I was there. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> there's too many, but yeah, the, um, the let's say, I want to say whining. Maybe that's not really the best choice of words. Mm-hmm. The, the, the counterpoints that are being made to the to workers in general being upset. Like Kellogg's is another good example. They're, they're just working just ridiculous shifts and mm-hmm. ma- things like mandatory overtime. And you can't say no uh, to overtime. And if you do, it's counted against you. That, that kind of thing. They're just continuously working. Kellogg's makes billions. They're probably a larger example. Cargill and High River, who had a massive... Um, number of COVID cases and some people died mm-hmm. They're potentially going out as well. Um, so a lot of it isn't just wages in certain cases. And in some cases it's safety and just general well-being, like the, the Kellogg's plan. Like we just want you to work straight. We're not going to give you a rate. We're not going to give you anything. And uh, you have to do this just because, but um, I think, are, are they part of um, Warren Buffett's gang now? Is that I'm Kellogg's? Sure that, yeah. Aren't they, are they part of, I'm not, I, I, I probably shouldn't have said that without confirming, but I thought uh, <laughs> Heinz, yeah, Heinz, Cadbury, that whole, there's just been so many buyouts in that. And when somebody like a Warren Buffett takes it over, it's just, this is how it goes, right? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely something in the air as far as uh, as uh, strikes go or just, and just general discontent of the, of the, of the non-unionized as well. I mean, yeah, it is. It is a blowback that's been a long time in coming. There used to be much more um, like mobility between jobs, and that's because um, you know people would recognize talent and pay for talent. And uh, if you had really great experience, even just sort of like general like contracting or general like labor experience, you know, experience counted. Now experience doesn't count because labor is cheap and. Uh, you know, you're you're in uh, 
<laughs> seniority actually counts against you now because if you've been around for 10 years, you're more expensive than someone you can just hire right in off the street and train to do the same job. So there hasn't been that kind of mobility. There, workers have felt that they haven't had that kind of leverage. And that's been something that's like holding the movement back for years. It's like, well, I can't strike because I need this job. I need the paycheck. I live paycheck to paycheck. Um, that's kind of been the... The, the kind of <laughs> circular logic. Well, I can't fight for better conditions on my job because I can't lose the crappy conditions I have, but the conditions keep getting crappier and the crappier they get, the more you need to fight for it, but the less you have a chance to fight because you need a crappy job in order to <laughs> keep the crappy level of, of, <laughs> of income that you have. And <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, I shouldn't it, laugh, but yeah, it's just a crap, no, it, crappy it, is the active for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it, it just, you know, nobody really mm -hmm. knows, um, what to do. It's sort of, you need sort of a pandemic or you need some sort of world changing thing to come up. And when everything's in flux, um, you kind of, uh, discover you have the power and that's what's happening right now. Um, the irony is, uh, all these people for years who are telling like restaurant workers, fast food workers, service industry workers, well, if you don't want to make a crappy minimum wage, why don't you go out and get a real job? And of course, the irony is that all of those people in the course of the pandemic had to go out and get different jobs, some of them paying better, someone with better conditions. And lo and behold, um, all of these industries are now having to compete for uh, a smaller labor share by having to do what? Offer benefits like actually Starbucks has or increase um, the base pay, uh, like some certainly some industries have. Sobeys increase the the minimum wage uh, or increase the the base pay for some of their um, lowest paid employees beyond minimum wage. And then, lo and behold, last week Doug Ford announces, "Hey, everybody, we got this great idea. <laughs> Why don't we give everyone a fifteen dollar minimum wage?" <laughs> so when it's like trickled down to Doug Ford. Like no offense to Doug Ford, maybe a little, but that um, no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my job, right? <laughs> that you know, it, when it's trickled down to Doug Ford, it's like you know, maybe we should be paying minimum minimum wage people a bit more. Uh, you really can sense the shift because what was like one of the first things the Ford government did when it took power in twenty eighteen? It's like no, you're not going to get that fifteen. We're going like it's fourteen. It's going to go up by the rate of inflation, which came like this. Like just a few months ago, went from fourteen twenty-five to fourteen thirty-five, and now all of a sudden we're going to go all the way up to fifteen. Even though uh, it's worth noting, I, I don't think there's an urban area in Ontario where the where the living wage is fifteen dollars. It's certainly not in Guelph, where okay. uh, the poverty elimination task force re um, revised the the living wage for Guelph. It's now eighteen dollars and ten cents in Guelph, which is up from sixteen ninety that I think they set in. 2016 2017 so uh even the minimum uh even an increase in the minimum wage um isn't isn't enough anymore in a lot of quarters yeah and, the, and with that 1890 i mean you're just you're just hitting the bar like it's you're just that it that's the getting by living as in existence right there's no there's no other things um yeah, a lot there. The uh, I I remember that I saw this like a hundred years of arguing against minimum wages. It was in uh, Rank and File, which we talked about before. Mm -hmm. It's RankandFile.ca website that I've written for a couple of few times over the years, and uh, so I went it's back and up. found it, and it had this whole breakdown of like from 1922 on, certain organizations arguing against the minimum wage, 
And then we see, you know, it's like, oh, we can't give them 50 cents a day or whatever the heck it was, right? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just this continuous chain of certain groups, some of which still exist, like the Restaurant Association and the Canadian Federation of Independent Business will always, always argue against it. But then the, 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 they'll say, well, the government has to do more. So in this case, the government feels that they have done more by implementing the... Uh, <laughs> Win McGinty Liberals 15. <laughs> <laughs> I love saying that because he Ford can't use that one now because yeah. they've gone to the all those people with the 15 and fairness t-shirts that you'd probably seen around. Uh, you know, it's okay, it's happened now. Um, but that was I remember when it was announced. I think we talked about this. I was like the, the only kind of march that I've been to where the thing actually happened was the 15 and fairness March on Queens park. And it was like, mm -hmm. it was just a zoo, like in the days when you, you could have those kinds of marches mm -hmm. and I got this t-shirt and I actually had it on the other day. I'm like, yeah, I guess it's actually true now. <laughs> but the, the problem with it, with it now is that had it happened before, like it should, it should always be more right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, you know, 15 bucks is going to get you to whatever. But as we know, with all the pressures that are on the prices going higher, the price of fuel going higher, uh, inflation. I mean, it's it's eaten right away, right? But this mm -hmm. is also the contrary argument that the CFIB and the Restaurant Association and everything will use will be like, well, the price has gone up, but we can't manage. And they seem to be really against that. Uh, the servers, the liquor servers, getting fifteen uh, as well because they used to have a different rate. I can't even yeah. remember. I can't remember the exact number, and it was tips were supposed to uh, bump them up. Yeah. So of course, I guess the concern is that well people won't tip anymore because they know they're getting $15. It's like, uh, I would think people would still tip at that rate. You would hope so. Right. But mm -hmm. can you I, and is, is some of this, I'm wondering to incentivize people to come back. I don't, I don't think it will. This is the case of the government doing more, but I don't like it's, it, it's, it's not going to do it. I don't think so. It may a little bit, there may be a little bit of a bump, but with every, with everything that's going on, we're blaming COVID for a lot of things. I don't think this is going to be the the um, assist both to the workers and to the um, you know trying to get more people in seats at restaurants at what and whatnot. But we're focusing on that a lot because they 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 talk a lot the rest they the restaurant association. But there of course there's all other all kinds of other jobs that people making fifteen or just above, and it's like you know you're you're just get if you're getting by, mm -hmm. right? Well. <sighs> First of all, the CFIB has not been shy about like demanding more government assistance. Even now, yeah, uh, there's no capacity limits. Uh, you know, in Ontario, I think there's still capacity limits in some provinces. But uh, you know, uh, just we're bristling. I mean, one thing I will notice that at that Ford press conference, I think last week when he announced the minimum wage increase, it really seemed like the press had got it because I remember when. The wind government proposed the increase in minimum wage in 20, I want to say it was 2014, 2015. Yeah. And then it was supposed uh, to hit. And, yeah. 17. Yeah. It, then it went out. Then it went, went up to 14 and 18. So, yeah, you could be right. It's 2017. But I remember like there was this backlash. Like, how dare you increase <laughs> the minimum wage? It's like, yeah. how is this going to affect businesses? And you know what was the one thing no one ever, the one aspect of the story nobody ever covered? It was talking to the workers. And I remember the first, yeah. like, it, it was like months after the minimum wage had gone up. Somebody at CTV finally got in their heads like, huh, I wonder how workers are feeling about this minimum wage increase. And they finally did that piece of it. Um, and at least at this point, the media finally seems to, the mainstream media, I should say, finally yeah. seems to get it. 
when the wage went up to 14 in Ontario, I think that that was like record low unemployment in this province. Mm. And it hasn't, you know, it's, it, it kind of peaked there and then it went downhill. Was that in 17? I guess so. <clears throat> I'm going to say 16 or 17. Yes. When that was all first announced. So, and, and of course the, Oh, his name's going to escape me. The Nobel prize winner that uh, from Ontario, actually yes, from yes, yes. Guelph that Doug Ford won't congratulate <laughs> has, has proven that it was part of his prize was uh, that, you know, you increase the minimum wage, things get better all around. You're spending money in all of these places that you wouldn't normally just trying to survive, right? That's David Card. I thought his name was Card, David but I, Card, double, I double yeah. checked just to be sure. But yeah, David Card, yeah. And that was like a proof from decades ago. So like, I mean, mm-hmm. is, none of this should be news, but no. uh, we'll have to leave that there uh, because wokeness is going to kill us all. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of like media narratives, it just seems to oh, be a boy. thing, especially since um, I mean, it, pertaining to U.S. politics in particular, with Glenn Youngkin winning the Virginia governor's race last week in the United States, a lot of people are blaming wokeness. That seemed to be the ten dollar word uh, this weekend on the Sunday shows. Oh yeah. Um. So I mean, <laughs> the debate is on. Like our like progressives and liberals too woke to appeal to the common man. Uh, that's, that seems to be the um, basic thesis. Now I'm not sure that uh, is true. And I was thinking about that a lot Wednesday when uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was on the stand oh. crying crocodile tears about the people he went to Kenosha, Wisconsin on purpose to shoot. Not those oh, people specifically, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Talk us, you know, talk about white privilege walking around in it with an AR 15. <laughs> uh, I don't think we're too woke uh, yet. I don't think we're uncomfortably woke just yet with Kyle Rittenhouse probably having a better chance today than he did yesterday of probably getting yeah, that, with this. And that is a difficult watch for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, and weirdly, I guess I wanted to talk about Twitter a mm. bit, but well, I guess we'll get to that in a minute. But the, <laughs> um, because on, tw- you know, he's trending on Twitter and then you look at it and it says, uh, you see, you see, he's in his like, there's just this whole uh, realm of, of, it's like, why is everything I'm getting on Twitter like pro Rittenhouse? I don't know what's going on. You algorithms don't know me <laughs> or I have no idea. And there was some important, I guess, let's just talk about the, when you, when you first said this was going to be the topic, I was like, uh, uh, I was <laughs> not hesitant, but I was like, yeah, okay, we can talk about that. And then the first couple of things that hit one on Twitter was uh, Senator John Kennedy. I don't mm-hmm. know if you heard this comment and he said something to the effect of, he's talking about climate change and uh, Demo- it was something to the effect of the Democrats are expressing this quote. This is a quote, Trotsky-like wokers. Yeah. Trotsky like Wokers. I'm like, okay, what you're saying there doesn't actually make sense. No, it's just words. It's just words. And that's part of it with this, this, the, the woke term, right? It's just, it's shorthand for all the stuff. It's like, if generally somebody on the right, Republican, you name it, whatever, PPC, uh, something they don't like, they just go, oh, that's woke. And it's Mm -hmm. supposed to shut it down. I guess it does in certain circles. It's like, um, and I think you treated a couple of times about uh, Ted Cruz versus Big Bird. <laughs> yes. Who's been talking vaccines since the early 70s, and it was fine then because it was public service. And uh, now it's like, oh, Big Bird is woke. He's like seven, right? He's, he's he never ages. Yeah. That yeah. kind of stuff, right? It's like, 
no, that's not really what woke is or signify, but now that the term has been co-opted by Whitey, uh, that's <laughs> what it means now, right? But, oh, and, well, and getting to the, the political part too, but uh, yeah. Carvel flipping out about the, uh, the the win that they supposedly should have had. And he's like, ah, he was, <laughs> did you see his little freak out there? He's like, mm-hmm. ah, the, you know, they want to take Lincoln's name off the schools. <laughs> <laughs> where are you going with this buddy but he also he commented on the um the defunding the police which was a uh kind of a referendum in in minneapolis mm-hmm. which was the we'll call it the birthplace of the uh, black lives matter movement but take from that what you will uh but it failed it 56 percent, and supposedly and it, it, the new york times is are losing their minds over there's like wokeness headlines every day now and i'm like what is going on yeah and they're not all like it's not pro anti. Some of them are just sort of people riffing on this. Oh, you're all too woke, as as Carvel and Co were saying. Yeah, and it's, it's like, become the new SEO yeah. kind of catchphrase to get people. Right. But you're you're so right about the whole. You know, if they don't like you, they call you a communist or socialist, and it's like, yeah, we're just creating words that say like how how can you how can we say we hate you without saying we hate you? And it's super short. Yeah, we've gone from social justice warrior, which took a lot to say. You just go woke. They're woke. Or SJW. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, and I found this fascinating. Vice had a piece on like what the origin of woke was. And it apparently comes from a Ledbetter song uh, in 1930 something. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's boys, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like kind of a st- it yeah. was kind of like a send off at the end, like stay woke. Um, and then it, it gets like uh, carried on through the 40s and the 50s, 60s and 70s through like, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, protest uh, black music, not protesting black music, but black music. That's like protest, like things like yeah. you know, Whitey on the moon and uh, <laughs> the revolution will not be televised and, you know, black art. And then um, it comes to, you know, 2014 with the very first black lives matter protest ferguson and you know that was like the message stay woke what it means is like stay alert you know stay uh connected to this idea that we were, we're part of a, a a racist system and that the you know the black people get treated worse than other groups by the police you know mm-hmm. now and now it's been completely co-opted by disingenuous white actors including Ted Cruz, who is technically Hispanic. But I mean, <laughs> the whole thing with that Sesame Street thing is like, apparently Ted Cruz uh, has not understood in the 50 year history of Sesame Street that it's always been like an urban liberal enclave. You know, it's this like urban street in, in the inner city with, you know, multiracial families and, uh, you know, diverse creatures <laughs> living about, you know, you have yeah. grouches living next to apartment buildings and trash but cans. So developed <laughs> as an educational tool for people that did not have privilege initially. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what it was about. Right. So it was, yeah. it was radical at its time. I, I, whether, you know, big bird saying he got vaccinated is radical now. <laughs> I don't think so, but most people wouldn't think so, but if, if I mean, if, if this is what you're focusing on, then there's a problem. Like if this, mm-hmm. if this is your focus, you know, and, and making a big deal about it, it seems to be on Twitter, but I wanted to mention, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of this week, Adam, the uh, Sandy Norris podcast, we're sort of dipping into this a bit. They did, I don't know if they actually used woke, mm-hmm. um, but it was sort of an innocuous tweet that Nora Loretto made about uh, her kids at school. And she, she made this tweet and she said, it should be illegal to drive to school. <laughs> and then 
but if yeah exactly but you know i i because we know her stuff we would know how to take that right but then this thing completely got fired she said she was getting tweets from like california and all over the place people piling on her but then some of it was like well you, you you're ableist because what you're saying is that you know disabled children can't drive to school and she's like i'm not saying that at all so this is people that you know in the scheme of things would be considered woke uh mm-hmm. are getting piled on right mm-hmm. for stuff like this and and uh sandy had made the comment too about what, what was hers again it was about, oh he was talking about anime paul Mm-hmm. And the comments made about anime Paul and, you know, as a black woman, she's, you know, suffered racist thoughts and that. And then she's getting tweets saying, well, you're a Zionist. And she's like, I am mm-hmm. absolutely not a Zionist. So it becomes about something else, right? It becomes mm-hmm. the narrative just gets steered somewhere completely away from uh, whatever the, the key topic is. And it becomes like, no, no, you're actually this. And it's like, no, I'm not. And that's, how is this? that it's not a, a productive discussion at all. And I think that is the problem with the, with the Twitter universe and the universe that we live in now, because we can't have, uh, let's say the in-person discussions that we used to, but speaking of in-person, did you hear about John Cleese today, Adam? Mm, no. What well, sorry, it's being recorded on Wednesday, but it, it just dropped that he's not going to play the Cambridge union because he needs to find a venue uh, where the woke rules don't apply. <laughs> so i guess he's doing this documentary on woke culture i don't know maybe as a bill to pay one of his nine wives or something ex-wives <laughs> um but i guess somebody got blacklisted from the cambridge union because they made uh, they did a hitler impersonation and i think it was without context it wasn't like a, a known comedy routine like john cleese would do or something mm-hmm. so then they they were barred and then john cleese is sort of pre-blacklisting himself so he wasn't removed from the situation didn't say cleese you can't come right in fact supposedly they're disappointed he can't come but he's saying well the name of wokeness or anti-wokeness i guess he's not going to play there which is i mean it's, it's getting completely out of hand well, another he wasn't ant- canceled. He canceled himself. This is how it's working now, right? Well, I, I mean, that's I mean, that's also within the the mold of people like Barry Weiss, who started um, a new quote unquote educational institution, which Jared 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 Sexton called it uh, a whole university. Except he didn't say <laughs> he, he, he used. Yeah, I saw a bit of that. I'm like, just no. But um, but I mean, she's of the same thing, like she talks about being canceled it's like you quit the new york times and now you're making more money than you ever did before yeah um writing this myth that you were so edgy and and so um so over the top you were canceled by the new york times it's like no you quit and by the way barry weiss and this is a big problem with a lot of these people too um she as long been an advocate for canceling people and now she's the one complaining about being canceled it's like no you can't have it both ways you can't be the canceler and the canceled at the same time but that will have to uh be dissected further on another day we're gonna take a (laughs) stay woke exactly um we're gonna take a quick break and come right back with uh our interview with kathy downer you're listening to open sources guelph on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca guelph campus and community radio Hi, this is Justin Trudeau. You're listening to CFIU 93.3 Guelph Campus Radio. 
was our Royal Cat Records pick of the week. Royal Cat Records, 21 MacDonnell in the downtown. <laughs> and that was They Might Be Giants from many moons back. I'm not even sure how many, but definitely on vinyl. And the song was called, as you heard, because it's only lyrics spoke to it. Minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> right on point and on topic. So mission accomplished. They really had uh, they really had it buttoned up on sort of like these message songs, like whether it's minimum wage or particle man. Um, particle man. Yeah. <laughs> For another day. Yeah. <laughs> need to talk about particles or men. <laughs> Keep that in the back pocket. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're going to throw it to our interview with Kathy Downer, who is the Ward 5 City Councilor. So she represents CFRU on City Council. Oh. Well, yeah, right. No, I never <laughs> thought of it that way. You're, you're totally crazy. I was like, oh, yeah. She's our counselor. We need to, like, ask her for so- Stuff. <laughs> we should have a pothole on the uc there we should have her portrait up in this in this yeah. anyway um <laughs> what were we talking to kathy about oh yeah the budget so yeah the budget is being presented this coming tuesday uh it is starts at nine so it's like the rare sort of council meeting that starts in the morning because it's an all-day budget presentation last year went till about four so it might go oh my goodness you're gonna be busy on the twitter eh yes that'll be a long day on twitter and uh before that though we're gonna get uh counselor downer's perspective on um how they're gonna manage this first multi-year budget. Uh it's covering the next two years. And also uh how they're gonna balance that affordability question with uh the needs of a growing city. So all that stuff. We will hit play on our interview with Councillor Downer right uh right about now. So Kathy Downer, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's that time of year again. It is that time of year, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so just like it's been theoretical to this point, like doing multi-year budgets. It's you know, it's been in the works for a couple of years. Um, council has seemed enthusiastic about the prospect. Um, but I mean, it, it's one thing to sort of talk about it in the theoretical. Now it's here in the practical. Um is this something council is equipped to handle after all the after all the buildup? Um, seeing the the living multi year document in the flesh, is it is it manageable for council? Well, certainly, what we're going to see <laughs> whether <laughs> whether it is next week. Um, you know what? I just from my personal self, looking just going through the the preliminary documents, it it has been much better to look at it through a telescope rather than just my eyeglasses. So just sort of seeing what's coming down uh, the pike and how that's impacting future budgets, you know, tying the operations, more detailed work around tying the operations budgets to capital, which is something we haven't seen. started to see more of like recently, but really tying it now and you're seeing that impact. Um, So, and it's the next year, you sort of get a sense of next year. It's not written in stone, it's received, but you get an idea. But remember, we've got a new council coming next year Mm -hmm. um, for the next year's budget. So I, I, I think, I think it'll be, I think it's good. I think, I think the information that we've been provided and the capital and the challenges that we have um, are going to be good. Good. They're going to lead to some challenging discussions, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the challenging discussions are going to be around a four. I mean, there's already been kind of been this um, 
discussion generally, uh, the budget workshop, I guess, last month, um, you had some counselors talking about affordability in this budget, um, having to, you know, try and keep the impact of the levy increase as low as possible um, due to like exterior factors like, you know, gas prices and home heating and, you know, inflation and supply chains and all that. Councillor McKinnon said something interesting um, that kind of went against that and said, you know, these other things aren't looking at other exterior factors. The council has to look at sort of, I guess, the municipal budget in its own silo. Um, so he's making a, a, an argument to like sort of ignore the exterior factors. Um, where, where do you kind of see that? You know, can council ignore the exterior factors and focus on just what it can control? Or do you have to take everything into it into account? Oh, I think. I think you have to try to take everything into account, but I, you know, I, you hear that argument every year, right? About the affordability, mm. what's affordable and what's affordable to one and what's affordable to somebody else are sometimes two different things. So, you know, the affordability is, is one issue. Um, certainly you don't want to be going over 4%. That's sort of what I think. I mean, it's sometimes better to be in the low threes or three, but but at the same time, he, he's right in that we have to recognize that that the city is experiencing those same pressures. So the same uh, issues around inflation, that the extra costs due to the pandemic, um, all of those things that the city is also experiencing. And, and if you if you start to, you know, you don't want to be in the position of cutting services because unfortunately when we start cutting services, it usually hits those most vulnerable um, because that's what, you know, taxes are a leveling, a leveling of the, of, around equity and all kinds of things. So like, mm. you've got to be careful about, about those things. So I, I, I sort of, I tend to agree with him in, in one sense, but I think you still need to be aware of, the kind of pressure some families are and, you know, seniors trying to stay in their homes are in um, because it is right now that there are a lot of other things that are going up as well. And what, what the inflation rates around 4% right now. So that's, that's, that's daunting for a lot of people who are not getting the same kind of wage increases. And, mm -hmm. and the levy is, uh, for next year, at least, is like right up to the line of 4% right now, 3.93. Yeah. Um, I guess the question is, how, how much can you shave off that comfortably without, you know, sort of losing all of these things that the city needs and wants to do? Um, and I guess what role does, um, you know, the prioritization, like the, the kind of general horse trading, I, I guess, how, how, how much wiggle room do you think you have? Well, they, they put out a great document based on our workshop and it, you know, it was sort of the, the city and it's all in the city building strategy. So what are the prioritizations there around, you know, the trails master plan? I think there's trans, you know, transit is in there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we recently heard about the, um, the upgrades that, that are needed digitally for the city and, you know, that way for customer service. So there's a number of things that we're, we can look at the paramedic service master plan too. Um, so they've given us a number of, of 
items that could be delayed, like strategies that we could look at delaying, there's consequences to delaying some of those. So, uh, you know, I, and I think that's where we're going to get into some problems this in this discussion is what are those prioritizations and what should be we keeping is it you know you can see bob bell will be about the trails and and the active transportation network there'll be others who will be interested in the you know the cultural heritage issues that we've been having this last mm -hmm. year and we need to resource that and so that's i see where you know each one of us seem to you know sort of have our own niche and priorities and I think that's where we're going to sort of face some difficulties trying to uh, those are included in that 3.63 but in bringing that down so I you know we deferred the hospital levy last year so we can't really you know you don't want to be doing that again um, mm -hmm. so you know there usually once we delve into it a lot more some other ideas come up um you know, the assessment, I don't think growth has been great in the last year. So I don't know that we can rely upon the growth, the assessment changing. Um, so there's some challenge. There's been some opportunities too in, in you know, we were able to issue, pre-issue some debt for this year, 49 million, right? At, at a very low rate that we've never, probably haven't seen historically for a long time. I think it was around 1.9 and, and they're going to take advantage of that next year as well and so that you know there is some opportunity so our debt costs that really impacts our debt costs but it also impacts our investment so those low, low interest rates you know the money we get back on our investments is reduced as well so it's right you know six one and a half doesn't have another sometimes <laughs> but i see i see that challenge around prioritization and i think staff are, are, are preparing for that too and there, there is leftover safe restart money. Am I right about that? I think there is. I, I'm not 100% sure about that. Yeah, but yeah. The, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's possible. And, and I guess that's one of those things staff would not immediately factor into the, the, no. the budget deliberations. That's something that's going to come out in the wash on the second. Right. And, and we don't know what kind of money is going to be divvied out next year for COVID. Um, you know, that's not factored in because we don't know what kind of capital, you know, how we can leverage some capital um, from the province or the feds. I mean, it's an election year next year. Yeah. They may be, they may be <laughs> quite generous. Uh, whether they would be with Guelph, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to see about uh, how that, and, and so those are opportunities that could come next year. But, you know, at the same time, you have to be ready for those opportunities. You have to have things in place that, you know, that you can use to leverage like the infrastructure. And, you know, staff are already looked at a slower rollout of some of our infrastructure renewal in this budget as well. Yeah. My suspicion is Doug Ford gets uh, has an involuntary reaction when he hears the name Mike Schreiner. So we'll move on. Um, <laughs> one of the things you're, you're kind of getting at too is last year, it, there really was this like feeling that it was an emergency situation. So like there was not that you ever kind of dip into the reserves freely, but there was this feeling that, you know, this was the rainy day the city had been saving for. So I guess reversely um, is, is like the rainy day over. Is, is that like the oh. way council is going to be thinking this budget? 
No, and actually they're using some reserves to, to manage it, right? To manage the inflation, um, uh, uh, the impact of the inflation. So they're, they're using some of those reserves in this budget this year. Now, staff didn't use so much last year, but council certainly did. Uh, you know, one-time funding issues around the, uh, the Guelph Neighborhood Support Coalition. There was other recovery money going to different groups and, and we delayed the hospital. So, you know, last year was sort of, we were right into it. I, I don't think we realized, when we were doing the budget last November, I don't think we realized that we would be locking down again in the winter so much. Mm. You know, that we, this, this is, and, and even now, this isn't over, right? It's, once the government subsidies end, like, I, I'm worried about that for a lot of, individuals and businesses um going forward there's going to be a big shakeout i think and you know um the lack of able to get supplies and things like that that's going to really impact um housing starts like building and uh, renovations and could have a ripple effect throughout the economy so we need to get those things sorted out as a that's part of a global issue. It's not just right. Canada too. Because I, I think one of the things you're going to be bracing against is like the pressure. And we kind of already talked about this and looking at things through the affordability lens. And I'm going to phrase this like the way someone might delegate to council. It's like, why are we increasing the budget at all? Why aren't we just, you know, freezing any extra any new spending for next year um you know just kind of that like just very direct sort of point of view that i know that a lot of people in the city have like why is my why are my taxes going up at all at this time mm-hmm. yeah you hear that you hear that all the time though it's not just yeah. <laughs> <in these times. laughs> from from a certain segment of of our society but you know, I would say that the city still has to run. A, a lot of our services are mandated services. And we have service levels that are based on, you know, how many inches of snow when you when you plow. And, uh, you know, you'd have to reduce those service levels. And people aren't willing to have that happen. And they impact people as well. So like I said, that the city is also a victim of inflation. So I, it's, it's not like you can find that you know, if inflation is 4% and, you know, our costs are that much extra, it's not like you can find it elsewhere, right? It's mm. it's as easily, you know, there's a number of things the city, the service uh, rationalization work that's ongoing <clears> is, you know, helping with a bit of that and the audits, the ongoing audits. But, I mean, there's there's very, there's only so much you can do. And, and but, you know, some of them, some counselors will want to, cut this that, and the other thing and uh, increase other you know they everybody has different priorities you're you're probably hear that infrastructure that one percent infrastructure argument again this year mm-hmm. and you already started to hear about that um so we're already slowing down infrastructure renewal um to, because of capacity issues mostly but you don't want to be slowing that that down much more. I mean, you got to make sure you keep up with the crumbling streets and bridges and things like that. So I wouldn't want to see that impacted. Um, And there are also outside pressures to those things as well that you were talking about, like supply chain, 
labor. Yeah. Labor is a big issue in construction right now because there's not enough of it. The getting people to work, right? Like, yeah, finding people in those trades. Uh, so, and you hear that from everywhere that, you know, they, they haven't been able to, there's a, people say, you know, the affordability of houses, oh, it's a supply issue and it's that, but it's, it's a number it's part of, of it. It's part of it. But yet yeah, trying to find, I think it was Andrew Landrum's development recently, he said, yeah, finding labor, um, getting supplies uh, is, is difficult. There's lots of lots that are ready to be developed right now. So we have, mm-hmm. it's not like the city can produce more lots or move faster on them. There's, there's a lot of them. I forget what the number is that could be developed tomorrow, but they've got these other constraints yeah. um, that and barriers um, trying to get them up and running. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's a problem. And, and that's not just to Guelph, but it's, yeah. But it's, you know, so, but, but the housing market's really impacted by that. And um, we're really seeing that in such a hot market. Yeah. yeah. Are there any surprises between now and, you know, December 2nd? I mean, because it's not necessarily a surprise, but I know the mayors will bring forward his, uh, the, the next year's funding for welcoming streets, um, the, the court support worker, that's kind of become a yearly thing, but it's not part of the base budget. It's an add-on. Um, are you anticipating anything along those lines? Like, or is, is it going to be like trying to sh- shave that 393? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think what well, Cam has been very good at sort of, um, behind the scenes, probably working with staff to see, you know, what can happen. And we all have, we've all tried to find ways that um, I think everybody has sort of come up with different ideas at different times around, you know, trying to bring down, shaving down that, that number. And at the same time, there's other wants that come in, right. That mm-hmm. are wants or needs, however you want to put them. Um like the welcoming streets that, you know, are, are really important projects. So, you know, and are, are near and dear to the mayor's heart. So, uh, yeah, I can see, I can see a number of surprises. Um, <laughs> Councillors talk to each other and, you know, they talk to staff and, you know, they have to try to get support from others. So I, I can sort of see, um, there's, a, I, I don't think I've ever, had a budget process let's put it this way where there haven't been surprises can can you give any hints i don't know yet <laughs> <laughs> i have you know it's too early these you know what these usually happen it's these usually happen between the the delegations and the final budget so mm-hmm. in that last week you, you sort of hear all this kind of like you know you're getting calls like what well, could we do this or you know or you think of something and oh let me just talk to staff about that so um staff have done such a great job i mean it's gonna be around that prioritization and and you know, I have to wonder if there'll be some lobbying around um, from other councillors around those priorities or what can be moved and delayed uh, and what can't and, and what's really important. I mean, like for me, like too, it's, you know, the nat- the cultural heritage and the uh, natural heritage, like we've seen the consequences this past year in, in the heritage file of not having proper resources in City Hall. 
for heritage, given the, the work that needs to be done and, and the consequences of losing um, important mm. heritage resources too. Mm-hmm. And so like, for me, that's, that's an important, you know, it's, our, it's included, but it's, you know, it's a, pri- it's one of those prioritization issues. Do we delay that or, or not? I mean, it, then it delays everything else. We've got the, um, the OR to work on. Right. So, mm. Uh, and then there's other around transit, around paramedics. Where our response time was good this year, but as the city grows, is it going to stay that? Can we delay that? Um, so as we all, each delve deeper and get more information, um, you know, and 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 what consequences can we live with? So the they've nicely laid out in that uh, in this strategic building, um, strategic city building investments. They've laid out what the impact is of delaying some of those. And some of those are greater than others. The operations hub, mm. you know, is, is another big one down the, you know, from capital requiring capital, but we do have a, a gap that we're going to have to deal with in the capital financing. So that's going to be a, a bonus, you know, and that's where, that's where we're going to have our, our biggest problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, how long do you think on December 2nd over under six hours? <laughs> gee <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know you get a sense when you hear the questions next week I, I i would say six hours i would be surprised if we if we did it under that mm. um and that's is a you know depending on you know what what comes up with it if if we could if there are some things that happen that we can get to that because a lot of said under three mm. um if they, if if a lot can happen um that that you know may get us there and if that if that happens if people come up with things or we do then then you know i think that can be a very short meeting at the same time i'm i don't like negotiating or debating with counselors that will never support a budget mm. And that's the thing that I found like from a trust issue that, you know, you'll get a call or your, your people will be lobbying you and say, well, you know, do this. And it makes it sound like they're going to support the budget. If you do, you know, if you support this initiative and then you get to the budget and, you know, you support what it is that they want, um, either a cut or an addition. And, and in the end, they don't support the budget Mm. where they add things in and then they don't like, the budget and they don't support the budget. Uh, so I, I really find that um, somewhat misleading and dishonest. Right. And, and you see that uh, often. And I think that's probably always been my biggest frustration is uh, trying to be collaborative um, when others are just in it to win and, mm. you know, or, 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 or look like they're heroes because they didn't support the budget. Right. When they really haven't made an honest effort to collaborate with other counselors on on anything. So I've always found that the most frustrating part of budget. Let me get on my little rant here. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, this is the the rant show. Uh, But maybe to wrap up, um, you know, you mentioned election next year. It's a provincial election. It's a municipal election. Uh, I've always kind of hoped the last couple of times because. It, it's it's a line like that. It seems like prime to have like some kind of formal debate about funding in municipalities and finding ways beyond like the property tax base to try and like ha- to really talk about how we fund cities 
um, my dream of a, a really robust debate like that has not happened. But I mean, from your perspective, is how, how, how you know, you've also been on things like AMO and, and these kinds of boards, too, where they have like these fulsome discussions. I mean, how 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 important is it to like try and have these discussions to, to try? And- well, you know, it, it has to happen at the provincial level. And, and really, they, they have not been interested. I remember oh, like 15 years ago, attending a big forum in Toronto about, uh, you know, looking at another formula other than property taxes, because it, it didn't really work. I mean, it it's it's based on the value of your property, not, not even the size necessarily of the amount of infrastructure that you use up or how many bedrooms are in the house or even, you know, the wealth. And, and it's, you know, in, in the states, the retail parts of retail sales go to to municipalities, and and certainly when I was on AMO, we were doing everything we could—a uh, real roadshow about advocating to add one percent or include, like, take one percent of the GST and provide it to municipalities for infrastructure, and had it all you know, a real business case for the whole thing. And, and they were making some headway with the, the liberals, but it, that sort of died um, this last four years, that whole, they're not doing any advocating on that. Uh, it, it's just municipally, I think it's only nine cents of every dollar that you spend in taxes goes to municipal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other, you know, 91% is federal and provincial, what you can't see. And yet we're the most, and we're the most restricted in, in budgeting, right? Which we can't have, you know, deficits. We, Mm -hmm. we have to, uh, so I I really do think the, in Canada and and in, in Ontario, they really need to start looking at this whole issue. Somebody needs to, and, you know, we're just such a small, you know, level compared to the other, the provincial and the feds that it, it never gets much attention. Mm-hmm. And it, it's too bad. I mean, because it's pretty important. I, I, uh, somebody I know, my, my optometrist said to me once, he said, actually, I prefer to pay municipal tax more than any of my, my other taxes. He said, I can see, I can walk out my front door, I can see the park, I see the roads, you know, I, I, the fire truck, the police, everything. I can see where my money is going. It's pretty, it's really evident. Mm. And he said, I can't see that provincially and federally the same way. And so I, I, I really don't, that's what, that's what's his shtick about it all. But um, so that's, you know, that's another part of it, but, oh yeah, you're absolutely right. It would, I don't know how we debate it or whether, you know, it's something that Amos should take up again in a different way. Um, I'm not on the board there anymore, but, but it's something they should take up in a, in a, rather than that 1%. Okay. If you're not interested in doing that, we need a, a different source of revenue for municipalities other than, than property taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll have to leave that there uh, <laughs> on that ambiguous note. But Kathy Downer, thank you so much for all your time today. Okay. Thanks for having me, Adam. Take care. Have a good day. Okay. So that was Councillor Kathy Downer, uh, the city councillor representing CFRU. <laughs> <laughs> Our councillor. Uh, CFRU represents. So, um, the all important word five endorsement. Uh, who knows? It's the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap things up. 
Uh, we hope you liked our show. As always, you can stay connected to us on our website, opensourcesguelph.com, or on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire, and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. If you would like to listen to the show again, you can just download it from our website every Monday. You can follow the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean, or you can get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, or Spotify. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and then you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter, and for all things CFRU, beyond listening to us on this fine station here at 93.3, check out CFRU.ca. Yes, indeed. And uh, check out DJ Sounds Good to Me here at the top of the hour on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We will return chastened after our woke discussion next Thursday <laughs> at 5 p.m. <laughs> for more. Every open- line scripted. Yeah. <laughs> Every line scripted. Uh, we will see you then. Thank you.